This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Visit bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm great, Cameron. How are you doing? I'm doing quite well. Um, No producer Cameron in the studio, so that's always great. Just (laughs) kidding, just kidding. We love producer Cameron. Where is he tonight? He is headed to a football game in Denver between his Denver Broncos and your Kansas City Chiefs. I can't I'm I can't believe we even let him in this studio sometimes because he's a Nebraska fan, he's a Broncos fan, like it makes no sense. If he was even slightly less pleasant, <laughs> I I just think I don't know if I could ever look him in the eye again. I mean, he goes to Mizzou games with us and cheers that's his true. heart out that for the Tigers. That's 100% true. Gotta so, love that. And I asked him, one time we were talking about it, I asked him, how many teams would he root for to beat Missouri in the whole United States, in the whole world? And he said, one. So that's good. He so would, he would root for Mizzou against the Broncos? Yeah, yeah I guess so. <laughs> okay, we were just talking about college teams. Oh, okay. So the only team he would root for over Missouri is Nebraska. Wow. So that's pretty good. That's fine. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, big game with, for the Chiefs tonight. Do you think you feel confident well, I'm, in their I'm abilities? Little, I'm, uh, I'm trying not to overreact because it seems like there's a lot of that going on around the fan base. You're kidding. Uh, with sports fans, I know it's it's absurd. But um, I'm, I'm a little worried. I think that even when the Chiefs are really good and the Broncos aren't so good, like last year, it's still always a close competitive game. It's kind of just a, those rivalry games, you know how they are. So. Obviously, Mahomes is a little banged up, and the offensive line is terrible, and the defensive line is terrible without Chris Jones. So, there's I've got some concerns, but uh, I think the Chiefs are going to pull it out. Wow, I kind of blindly predicted that they would win on a last-second field goal, so I'll stick to that. Cool, that's just a fine. complete shot in the dark. Uh, last time we talked, the Cardinals were in the NLCS, and a week later they were bounced in four games and. I don't think any of the games are even close. No. So we'll just pretend like that didn't happen. Yeah, that was so disappointing. I mean, I guess it I'm was ha- over so fast. Yeah. It, it was just like. Like you didn't even have time to process what was happening. You're yeah. just like, oh, okay, we're done. Yeah. I don't know. The better team, the better team is in the World Series for sure. I think they deserve to be there. They, they smoked us and we can root on Max Scherzer. Yeah. And uh, I think. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm happy that the Cardinals got as far as they did. I, I really didn't think that they were gonna achieve what they did this year. Obviously, super disappointing in LCS, but oh well. Yeah, I agree. Uh, moving on to Mizzou-related things, uh, we were in Columbia this past weekend, so we'll get to talk about our trip, and uh, we'll do that when we recap the Ole Miss game and homecoming and everything. And before we do that, though, we do have some news to talk about. Kind of an interesting topic, the XFL. I don't know if everybody's been paying attention, but it's kind of been all on, all over Twitter 
that some former Mizzou players are headed to the XFL. The XFL had their first ever draft. Well, I guess technically there was an XFL many years ago. Mm. So this isn't their first draft. First draft, they're going to do some revisions and come back with their second draft. Good joke. Um, (laughs) Anyway, some former Mizzou players that are headed to the XFL include Coney Ely, Jacqui Smith, Marcel Frazier, and for your very own St. Louis Battlehawks, LaDamian Washington and Marcus Lucas teaming back up. That's crazy. And by the way, I think you're thinking of rough draft, maybe? First draft can be rough draft. Yeah. All right, fine. I, yeah, we're going to have to go to a Battlehawks game or something. I mean, this is kind of ridiculous how many Mizzou players are on this team, but. Oh, those aren't all on the the team. Those are. Can we edit that out? (laughs) That is the dumbest thing I've ever said. I was like, I was like, I knew that. A couple of these guys were drafted by him, but I didn't know all these guys were. Yeah, just yeah, just Ladamian Washington and Marcus Lucas. Okay. Well, we can still go to a Battlehawks game. Yeah. It's kind of cool that they were teammates like at the same time at Mizzou, and now they're teammates again. Marcus Lucas, I remember, actually made a I think the Panthers practice squad as a tight end. Yeah. After college, mm-hmm. and Ladamian Washington bounced around. I think from a couple practice squads, mm-hmm. but. I was reading an article that the players aren't getting paid a ton and some people are questioning whether it'd be worth it or not for that little pay in their opinion compared to the NFL to go through a uh, kind of a grueling football season of any sort. But I think for a lot of these guys that are going to be in this league, it's just a chance to show that they can play and maybe get looks for the NFL. Yeah. I mean, you're a great football player, but I mean, maybe not, you know, at the highest level right now, it's a good opportunity to show that you still got it and just an opportunity to, to play football. And it's kind of surprising to me that Coney Ely is is playing in this guy. I mean, he played in a Super Bowl just a few years ago with the yeah. Panthers. So mm-hmm. it's interesting. And uh, the Battlehawks quarterback is former Ole Miss quarterback. I can't remember his name. I think his last name was like Tamu or something like that oh, from yeah. Hawaii. Mm-hmm. I saw that he was drafted, but I – I'm not even going to pretend to pre- – I'm not even going to pretend that I know his name. Okay. Or how to say it. There you go. A smart move. <laughs> but, yeah, we'll have to go to a Battlehawks game for sure. Hopefully I don't see any reason why the tickets would be expensive. So, uh, Moving on to some basketball news. Kyle, did you see Twitter was all a flutter because of a CBS Sports article previewing the SEC basketball upcoming season? They had Mizzou, like many other outlets, they had them pegged 13th, but it was the little write-up that was kind of causing a stir in, in hashtag Mizzou Twitter. Yeah, I uh, unfortunately read this write-up on CBS, and yeah, there was like some grammatical errors. I think there were just some flat-out like factual errors. Like I think the, the write-up said that Conzo Martin had been fired from his three previous places which is just completely not true not even remotely he just left the jobs for better Better jobs jobs. (laughs) yeah so yeah that was pretty crazy that was edited out oh yeah yeah. they did end up fixing that um so maybe their first draft accidentally got published they didn't get to revise it but they did revise it so (laughs) yeah it was still probably not great but well they and they said that this was a do or die season for conzo martin like because Uh, it was was his i was gonna when we preview the basketball team, I was going to make a joke like, oh, third season, he hasn't lasted more than three seasons because it's so 
ridiculous to mm-hmm. think that he would be gone after this year. Yeah. In any situation. I th- I think I uh, compared this person's writing to an eighth grader on Twitter. You may have seen that. I um, saw that. I don't regret it. I meant every word. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that article was getting blasted yeah, on Twitter, deservedly so, yeah. Just absolutely no research done whatsoever. Just like, oh, yeah, Missouri's kind of sucked the last couple of years. I guess they'll suck again. Yeah, they have – it looks like maybe they've underperformed because of their record last year. Uh, I don't know anything about the fact that Jonte Porter got hurt or anything like that. So probably Conzo's on the hot seat, you know, his third year. I don't know. Just – the most surface level observation you could possibly make at Mizzou basketball. And then it was published into the, like, I don't know, one of the like five most prestigious sports news outlets. Pretty crazy. Anyway, we know that it was all wrong and they edit it, but we just won't really pay attention to what CBS sports thinks about Missouri. But should we pay attention to what the SEC media think about Missouri hoops? Because they also picked them to finish 13th in the preseason poll. And I know this is one of the biggest kind of gulfs between national media and local media slash fans as far as expectations, definitely for a Missouri team, but for uh, any team I can think of recently that just the expectations are so totally different. Yeah. I mean, I don't know any Mizzou journalist or fan that thinks they'll finish bottom three right. this year in the SEC. Yeah. Um, it's not super surprising to me because this is just how these things typically go uh, with the national media. They just don't, like you said, they just don't usually know what's going on to, to the detail that we know. They, they Think may about not- Tennessee. Like two years ago. Right. They were literally in the same situation exactly. picked to finish 13th in the league. Yeah. Um, and every fan base probably thinks that their team deserves to be higher, but I think this is truly like a special situation where Missouri should be significantly higher than they are. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's really pretty meaningless, but I, I think that, I mean, this is just the most common, like this is how everybody always responds to these kind of things, but I really do think that, the players can use it as some kind of competitive reason. If they don't already want to win, then this is their reason to uh, to go out and, and prove everybody wrong, I guess, that expectations are a lot lower than they probably should be. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's so meaningless. It's just interesting. I don't know. It just seems like I guess some team has to finish 13th, and yeah. when you have kind of this jumbled mess of okay – to bad SEC basketball teams, you know, kind of like the bottom half of the league, I would say outside of maybe Vanderbilt, the bottom half of the league could be mixed up in all sorts of different ways. Right. And I mean, outside of Jeremiah Tillman, there's not a whole lot of guys that I think will be big producers this year. There's not a lot of guys that are really in the spotlight right now. You know, Torrance Watson, Javon Pickett, Drew Smith, those guys probably aren't, aren't really like even Mark well Smith being hurt yeah. a lot of the year last year. Right. So, I mean, I'm not shocked that this happened. I think that if, you know, some of these national writers or, or whoever's voting in this media poll, yeah, um, if they did a little more research, they could probably figure out that, okay, yeah, I ranked Missouri too low. But, again, it's not surprising. Yeah, and if uh, if on a in a different timeline, if a different Mizzou team was sending Jordan Geist and Jonte Porter to SEC Media Day, then – 
the conversation around this team would be completely different. But they're sending Jeremiah Tillman, who everybody just thinks is like a foul-prone kind of one-dimensional big man, and Javon Pickett, who's a sophomore that, you know, nobody really knows anything about. So, yeah. Um, We thought last week that Mizzou recruiting, Mizzou basketball recruiting was over until spring. Um, And one thing we actually forgot to mention last week was the fact that Davion Bradford committed to K-State. And I think it's pretty obvious at this point that he and Jordan Wilmore were more or less equal in the eyes of the uh, coaching staff. And whereas we early on thought that they may be willing to take both guys, uh, it seems pretty obvious at this point it was just one or the other. And they, uh, from what I've been reading and listening to, they had them graded out basically the same. And even though Wilmore was like a 300-ish recruit and Bradford was like 150-ish, they didn't see much of a difference as far as their development and maybe their commitment to wanting to be at Missouri. So they pulled the trigger on Wilmore and Bradford's going to K-State. Yeah, that's crazy, man. And that's it's so uh, – it's bold to – go to trust you or, I mean, obviously these guys are getting paid a lot of money to be professionals at this and, and, uh, analyzing players, but obviously they're, they're going against, uh, they're going upstream here and they're, they're going against pretty much what everybody else thinks. And if they're right, they're going to look like geniuses. If they're wrong, then we're going to be wondering what in the world happened here for, you know, for the next four years potentially. So, um, it, it, they're taking a leap of faith here, but I, I trust the coaching staff, and I think that they've done a really good job identifying talent. I think Javon Pickett is a great example of a guy that, I mean, he was, I guess, committed to Illinois, but I, I really don't think that he had a whole lot of, you know, high-tier opportunities out there at coming out of high school. Um, and just in the off season, he was able to prove that he's, you know, a viable you know, even starter as a freshman and he came in and had a great season. I think he's poised for, to have a great career. So that's, I think that's a great example of, of a guy that they just have identified as, you know, this is a guy we want in our program and hopefully that they've hit on, on Jordan Wilmore. Yeah. Like you said, it does seem strange to kind of just go with this. I mean, nobody four years from now, if Davion Bradford, uh, flamed out and not that I wish that on him, but if he just became a nothing recruit and nobody ever talked about him again, and just this wasn't going to happen, but let's say Jordan Wilmore goes to K state and becomes a contributor, a starter in his last two seasons, nobody would be like, wow, Conzo, you really messed this up. And cause it just doesn't work that way. Nobody really points out those 300 level guys that you missed on when you chose to go with a 150 but the reverse is now true and I feel like that's just like I said a bold move for Conzo to kind of stake his reputation with this guy when it looks like he I mean this is a position of need moving forward so right and in basketball recruiting you don't get many chances you know and if you miss on one guy it can be devastating Um, if you hit on one guy then it can be it can be really, really big. Um, you, I mean, you bring in what anywhere from two to four recruits in a in a class, and Conzo's um, only been here for for three years. But you know, 
there, there's just not – well, Kanto has been here for three years, but there hasn't been a ton of guys that have come into the program, I guess, in a grand scheme of things. You just don't have very many opportunities to um, – if you, if you mess up. You right. Know? So and the, we've the risk seen, is big. Yeah, we've seen big men come into the Missouri program that were unheralded and then just kind of quietly transfer out and never to be heard from again. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem like that's really a situation that can – they can afford to have happen with this recruit in particular, but we'll see. I agree. Um, but yeah, we thought the recruiting class was all taken care of until spring when we revisit Josh Christopher's recruitment, but Jalen Terry, a guard from Michigan has decommitted from Michigan state and Iowa state, Mississippi state and Missouri were all in his top five along with Michigan state. So he has reopened his recruitment and seems like Missouri is potentially going to be a player once again. Just when we think they're done, they something comes up and we now we don't know what's going to happen. It's classic Conzo, man. I, it just seems to always happen that when we think we're done or whenever we have decided that, okay, this is how it's going to be, something just completely out of nowhere happens and a, and a guy we have never heard of commits or a guy decommits that we haven't heard about in months and, you know, with Trey Jackson, we've kind of forgotten about him and, um, you know, the, the list can go on, honestly. You can Kobe Brown was a decommit from Texas A&M. Yeah, there's all kinds of examples of, of players like that that are currently on the team that that didn't, you know, start at Mizzou or, or whatever it is. There's so, so many, actually. Like, yeah, like you most just, of the team. Yeah, Tillman, uh, Pickett, Mark, Mark Smith. Smith, Drew Smith, Trey Jackson, Kobe Brown. That's a lot of guys. That's a ton of people <laughs> that either committed somewhere else and then decommitted and, and went to Missouri or, or completely started somewhere else and yeah, then transferred. And yeah. transferred. So uh, I, I don't really know why that seems to be the trend of Mizzou players recently, but you know, better late than never, I suppose. But yeah. uh, I, I'd be fine with a couple of these guys picking Mizzou the first time around. Right. Yeah, it'd be less stressful on us, that's for sure. Less <laughs> stressful on fans. And probably much uh, less stress on the coaching staff if they were able to land these guys right out the gate. Well, yeah, I mean, it just is better to have a player in your program for four years. I mean, I feel like a good example is Jordan Barnett. I mean, man, he was a guy that we, I would have loved to have for four years. He came in and he was fantastic for the two years he was here, but um, he just had such a rough start to his career that just kind of stalled out for two years. He just didn't do anything. Yeah, and the, because of the stupid transfer rules, he like played – he started the season a little bit his sophomore year so he had the same experience as Jabari Brown who had to sit out until the second semester right. of their junior year or or the year that they transferred mm-hmm. which is incredibly frustrating so you basically you lose almost an entire year yeah, of it basketball. It takes a long time to acclimate to a new yeah. program and so um, yeah it, it'd be good to get these guys in for four years. But Jalen Terry's back on the market and I guess we'll see because just when we think we know what's going to happen, we realize we know nothing. Um, I had in here that we could talk about the fact that Missouri football is ranked, but the last thing I have here is basketball related. So we'll just skip back to this um, at the end of the recap. So I thought it would be fun. I know uh, we posted about being at the open basketball practice uh, when we were there for the homecoming festivities and the football game. So in case you don't know, Missouri basketball had an open practice. It was we didn't know if it was going to be more like Mizzou Madness with some, you know, like a dunk contest or something. Maybe they would do some kind of scrimmage, but it was absolutely just a run-of-the-mill practice, as far as we could tell. But it was cool to be there, and it was open to the public, so we got to watch them 
their whole routine from stretching to shooting free throws. And so we posted about it and asked if anybody had any questions about anything. And you answered a few questions on Twitter. Yeah. But for people that maybe didn't see that, I thought we maybe we could touch on a few of those questions on here. Yeah. Had a couple of questions from at Ben Carp seven, six, nine, one, two, four, two, eight on Twitter. Okay. Uh, he asks, um, if, about Kobe Brown and Trey Jackson, um, if they're going to have an impact this year. Um, and I basically just said they have to. Right. Um, there's no one else that can fill the needs that they are bringing to the table potentially. So, yeah, they're young. Yeah, they're freshmen. But they're going to have to contribute right away, unfortunately. And we've seen a lot of that in the last few years of Missouri basketball. Yeah, unless and Konzo talks about playing four guards around Jeremiah Tillman, but he's counting Kobe Brown and... Trey Jackson, Trey Action Jackson, oh, I just made cool. that up. Nice as uh, guards, but if they are just not cutting it, then the only other option really is, I guess Mitchell Smith at the four, or just a true four guard lineup Could with Pickett play the four. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying. Four guys, right. six five and under, plus Tillman. Yeah, so that would be looking like back when Kim and uh, Kim Anderson, when Kim English played the four, <laughs> that would have been a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I think, uh, like you said, they have to, and I think they will be able to in yeah. some capacity. I mean, uh, I think Kobe Brown will have a little bit of the Kevin per year kind of early polish to his game that you don't typically see from freshmen. And Trey Jackson is super athletic I think he might I I can almost guarantee that he will struggle with his three-point shot mm-hmm. for probably a lot of the season. Yeah. And he'll need to be used as more of a slasher and a matchup guy on the block more. Yeah. Where you can use his athleticism to I don't know, get around a bigger four. Yeah. But I'm I'm going to be honest, I I kind of struggle to picture in my mind how that's going to look as them like them playing as guards because they both look like interior players to me uh but i mean apparently kobe brown has a really nice three-point shot uh his release is a little slow um so he's going to need some some room to get it off but another kevin per year comparison exactly yeah they they really do kind of look like similar players and style and and like you said trey jackson great athlete um but again i don't really know if i see him playing much on the perimeter so in the future for sure like yeah. I think he has a super high ceiling with his height and wingspan mm-hmm. and athleticism. He could be, you know, we could talk about him going pro when his time at Missouri is done, but he's going to have to just develop his skills a lot more. Right. So I think coming in, I think uh, Trey Jackson can definitely make a an impact. Just getting rebounds, you know, um, getting those kind of cleanup points and playing good defense, kind of defending the rim a little bit if if that's uh, what's asked of him. So. It'll be interesting to see how those guys are, are integrated in. Um, and then Ben had another question for us, and he said, who looks to be the most improved? Um, and I, there aren't a ton of candidates, honestly, for this, but I, I said Javon Pickett. Um, and it's tough to know how guys are going to be after watching them practice for an hour, but Pickett looked super polished. Um, he looked like he'd been putting in some some uh, work in the weight room this offseason. Uh, I, I think that we are going to see a big year from Pickett. Yeah, his they did some on-ball defense drills, and his and he, uh, they've actually posted a few clips of specifically his on-ball defense on social media and stuff. 
And that's what we saw during that practice was he was locked in Mm -hmm. and he looks like he's improved as a ball handler as well. Very smooth offensively. And yeah, I would agree with Jevon Pickett being the most improved. Now I thought it was interesting. Conzo Martin said, uh, Mario McKinney was his pick for most improved since he has arrived. Yeah, man. He looked explosive. Yeah. And his shot looked really good. I think we, uh, me personally, I've been higher on McKinney's, scoring ability at the college level than I think a lot of people. Um, and I think I didn't see anything at that practice that would make me think anything different. Yeah. I think I am a little higher on him maybe after, after this practice than I was coming in because, um, yeah, I think his shot looked better than I thought. Um, he, like I said, looked incredibly explosive, but I think he, I, what I just love about him is just the, the junkyard dog mentality, man. He just, even in practice, he wants to destroy you, and I think that Mizzou fans are going to love that about him, and I think I'm going to love that about him. It's just, man, this guy wants to win, oh, and yeah. he wants to dominate you, and so you could see that even just in a practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had one more question uh, from at Tigers Eat Birds. <laughs> <laughs> um, he says, uh, will Parker Brown actually have a role, and is Axel Okongo going to provide anything? Um and I said, it's tough to know. Um, there's there's a lot of guys on this team. There's like, you just it's tough to to get ten or eleven guys involved, and right. not everybody's going to contribute. And Conzo says every year that it's like eight or nine, eight or nine guys is what he's looking for. Right. So, I personally think that that Brown looks a little more ready to contribute right now than a Congo for sure. Um, and I, but we just kind of have some warm bodies right now in, in the forward position, and that probably explains. I mean, we we've known that Conzo loves kind of the positionless basketball thing and but we just don't have a lot of great options uh for forwards that are going to make an impact obviously reed nico um a congo and and parker brown um i i just don't know that i see any of those guys being great and so those are those guys are all kind of backing up tillman so if tillman can stay on the floor which hopefully he can i I don't know that any of those guys are going to be contributing a lot yeah i see i see a congo as a an, an absolutely an absolute emergency backup behind Reed Nico at the five. I mean, he is very raw. He's just basically all height at this point, and which is a shame because we haven't heard anything about him getting a second season or a waiver for a second year of eligibility at Mizzou. So I don't know if that's kind of died down or what, but um, definitely. Tillman's going to be the guy at the five spot. Nico will be backing him up, and then Okongo will be a, an emergency backup in case of foul trouble or injury or something like that, which mm-hmm. if if the team is relying on him for very many minutes at the five whatsoever, then they're in trouble, I think. Right, and I same with, agree. Same with, uh, to a lesser extent, at the four spot, um, looking at Parker Brown and uh, Mitchell Smith as kind of those more traditional forwards as far as height goes at least um but it seems like from everything Conzo said he doesn't expect them to contribute much at the four because he's going to be using four guards i yeah. say in quotes most of the time yeah I, I really don't think we can stress this enough that for one it's incredibly important that Tillman stays on the floor and that hasn't been any different in his career but we maybe more than ever need him to stay on the floor this year and this game, th- these games are just going to be super guard heavy. I mean, we're just, we have a lot of big guards that can be versatile and we're going to need them to be that 
we're going to need him to uh, to kind of carry the team. Yeah, and I could be completely wrong on this, but I could just the way the talent across the roster is spread out by position and size. I could see them going insanely small in case of uh, Tillman foul trouble as opposed to playing backup bigs at the five. Oh, yeah, for sure. We're going to – we would see that way before we saw, like, a Congo and, and yeah. Brown in there at the same time or something right. like that. Yeah. Was that it as far as those Twitter questions? Yeah, I think so. We'll, have, uh, we'll obviously have a lot more to talk about basketball-wise when we preview the season and mm-hmm. the team here and here pretty soon. Yeah. All right, well, that's enough basketball then. Let's get on to football. And I wanted to start it out by just talking about a little bit about our trip. It was really fun to be in Columbia. It was a beautiful day, a little chilly at night, but that's kind of what night game football is supposed to feel like. So it was it was really fun. And um, we kind of walked around campus area, downtown area a little bit. And it, there were so many people around yeah. the city yeah it was great to see um that might be one of the busiest i've ever seen campus just cars people everywhere yep. spilling um, out into the streets all over the place yeah we actually took an uber from downtown back to the stadium when it was time for the game and there were just people everywhere yeah. i was like man i'm so glad we did not walk yeah. because the <laughs> sidewalks were just crawling with people like ants everywhere you know yep. it's just we could barely the uber driver could barely like get through the roads because there's just people everywhere yeah and the but, stadium filled up i was yeah. incredibly happy to see that yeah. i mean it, once we got there and kind of saw how many people were in town it was like okay there shouldn't they shouldn't have any trouble filling the stadium right yeah but it was a great atmosphere. there's always a concern that people are just gonna watch it on tv or mm-hmm. something but uh, I mean, it was looked full. I mean, they announced a capacity crowd. So yeah, I mean, it was just uh, I, we have to sell out that kind of a game. I mean, it's a perfect atmosphere. It was yeah. like it was like fifty five or sixty degrees at at kickoff, like perfectly sunny day, homecoming, night game on ESPN two. Exactly. Yeah. So it was Good a just record. Literally the perfect conference night. opponent. Keep going. Yeah. What do you got? What else? Uh, you know, uh, Kelly Bryant was playing quarterback. Okay. And that's all I got. Okay. Well, that was pretty good. Um, yeah, it was, it was just, it was a great day. A lot of fun. On to the actual game. Everybody knows by now, Missouri won this game 38 to 27. But I would say that final score makes it look a little bit closer than it actually was. Uh, we'll start it off with Ole Miss. Got the ball first. They went three and out, which was amazing because we were a little worried about how Missouri would stop their offense. But on the ensuing punt, Jonathan Johnson muffed it, gave it right back to Ole Miss, and before they even punted the ball, Jonathan Johnson came out, of course, in in for the injured Rashad Floyd, and he was standing back there. They were getting ready to punt it, and I just said to you, Kyle, I said something like, I still don't feel good about... I didn't even finish the sentence, and you said, yep, I agree. It, I, it's it honestly is true. You said something like, I don't have any confidence in, yes. in Jonathan Johnson. Well, we love him as a I receiver. I didn't even have to say his name. But, yeah, I knew exactly what you meant, and I feel the same way. He doesn't. He's never looked confident uh, returning punts or even catching punts. Right. I don't know what it is, but and I honestly don't know why they've kept putting him back there, even when, uh, when Floyd is hurt. But and uh, I'm sure many, many Mizzou fans felt the exact same thing. Yeah. I mean, in the stadium, when you see him, you know, I don't, I don't know what they're showing on TV, but... In the stadium, when you see him trot out there, and you got a lot of fans that have seen him do things like this before, but thank goodness he he redeemed himself to some extent. Um, 
first of all, he didn't see another punt return the rest of the night. And I, I doubt he ever will yeah. see another one. But uh, he caught some big passes and made up for it to some extent in the receiving game. But we'll get to that in just a sec. Uh, of course, Ole Miss used the short field uh, from the turnover to score a touchdown. Um, what's the quarterback's name again? John Rice Plumley Nailed it. JRP uh, threw a touchdown pass, which he has done in the past, but he's more of a runner. So Yeah, that was kind of a strange play. I think Isaiah McGuire, who I, I, I don't know if he started, but I mean, was pretty much getting first team reps on the second drive of the game. He's pretty much a starter. So uh, he's a, I can't remember if he's a true freshman or a, a redshirt freshman, but either way, he's, he has not played a lot. But he ended up being in coverage on on the receiver that caught the touchdown pass. Was that Elijah Moore that caught the touchdown pass? Uh, no, it was one Scotty Phillips. Interesting. But either way, I don't think that he was supposed to be in coverage. At least maybe not that deep. I don't know where the where the defense broke down there, but um, it probably was not what was supposed to happen. Right. You wouldn't think so anyway. Uh, Missouri got the ball back. They moved the ball well on their first drive, but they did stall out at the Ole Miss thirteen and settle for a field goal. So 7-3 Ole Miss. Then Ole Miss started punting some more, and they went three and out, but uh, Missouri also had to punt. Then Ole Miss drove into Mizzou territory, but uh, the quarterback, JRP, was strip-sacked, and Mizzou took over at their own 35-yard line. And then that's when Jonathan Johnson started showing up. Uh, I was just happy to see that he didn't let the muff punt affect the rest of his game. Because you could easily see him getting dejected. And, I mean, he got removed from his duties as punt returner. But he came out and was a huge part of the offense all game. He ended up with eight receptions for 110 yards, one of his better games in his Mizzou career. Yeah. So it was fantastic to see him bounce back like that. But it was Tyler Beatty who took a short pass from Kelly Bryant, 17 yards for the touchdown. However... We start uh, seeing some weird scores come up on the board because McCann missed the extra point. So it was just 9-7 to seven Mizzou. And I was kind of joking around saying it looks like McCann just wanted – McCann wanted it to look like he had kicked three field goals. <laughs> so he just missed that extra point. Uh, people looking at the box – just like scrolling through the scores would be like, oh, McCann's having a good day. <laughs> Conspiracy theory. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people are scrolling through like trying to just see how everybody's kickers are doing. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ole Miss punted again, and Mizzou added a 48-yard field goal to make it 12-7. to So now it looks like he's 4-for-4, four four, potentially, <laughs> on field goal attempts. Uh, then Miz- Ole Miss drove all the way down to the Mizzou one-yard line, went for it on fourth down. I was kind of hoping they would kick a field goal, one of those situations where fourth and one, yeah. when your team's on defense, you feel like the offense is going to get it yeah. 99% of the time. When your team's on offense, you feel like they're going to get stuffed 99% of the time. And honestly, Ole Miss might have scored. We have no idea. It was <laughs> yeah, like it was, in, really close. it was either they actually got in or they were stopped an inch or two short of the line. Yeah. But they called it uh, no good. They said no touchdown. He didn't get in on the field. So. And they reviewed it. And I, I don't even know if there was like a clear angle of of what they needed to see there. So no, it's they, probably one of those classic, like, we're not really sure, so yeah. we're going to stick with what we called. Yeah, they, there was a few times in this game where they should have just said, we're not reviewing this because we have, we're have we not going to be able to tell. So yeah. play stands. <laughs> so with that, uh, that actually took us to halftime. So kind of a weird first yeah. half. That was like, huge. That, that, that yeah. stop was massive. Uh, 12 to 7 at halftime. So Missouri riding high on Tucker McCann's four field goals. 
Just kidding. Uh, Mizzou came out firing on offense to start the second half. Their first drive ended when Larry Roundtree broke free for a 41-yard touchdown. And just to sneak this in here real quick, the point after was missed yet again. Yeah. Uh, on Tucker McCann, it's crazy how good he is on field goals, it seems like. He can he can literally probably make like a 60-yard field goal, but he's really inconsistent on extra points. I don't really understand how that's possible, but... He hit the upright. Yeah, he on, on both of them. Each side of the field. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then on Larry Roundtree, he was just having a great game uh, before this run. He It just seemed like he was getting into the secondary like on almost all of his runs and uh, breaking tackles and looking shifty out there, and the holes were big. And so the run game was, was really moving along nicely, and so we kind of felt like that was going to happen at some point where he was going to break a longer run, and it, sure enough, it did. Yeah, he, it seemed like he was doing a really good job of just keeping – the Missouri offense moving forward. I mean, they would, yeah. it, it's, I think the running game slowed down a hair in the second half. There was less of those first down runs for three or four yards, but, um, I mean, he was just doing a good job of keeping Missouri on schedule. And then when you have an explosive play like this, it just makes a huge difference. Uh, after yet another Ole Miss punt, Mizzou used uh, some penalties to their advantage because they were backed up at their own one-yard line. That was another weird uh, – no, that wasn't it. I'm, I'm thinking of the kickoff that it looked like Missouri forgot to have somebody back for. But that comes later. Yeah, that was later. We might have to just – That was another Jonathan Johnson I don't know when that happened, error. so we'll just talk about that right now. Yeah, another Jonathan Johnson error. I, I don't know what happened on the play. I don't know. Tyler Beatty is supposed to be back there yeah. returning Yeah, it's like they kickoffs. didn't have somebody back where they were supposed to be on kickoff. And so Jonathan Johnson runs back, catches it at the two, and just takes a knee. And at <laughs> and, and first I thought that there was some kind of rule I didn't know about. I was like, oh, is it? I didn't know that you could get a touchback outside of the end zone. Exactly. And then he didn't. So yeah. I was like, okay, <laughs> I don't know what he was thinking, but that was another pretty bad Jonathan Johnson mistake. Yeah, and it, to his defense, something else happened there that was not his fault. I, I yeah, can only so, assume yeah, because something was wrong. He was trying to trying to help. Basically, he was like, I don't know what's going on, but I need to help here. And just in trying to help, I don't think that he necessarily made it worse, but I don't know, just running with the ball after he had it would have been much better i think you're probably right <laughs> uh anyway back at this drive i can't remember i guess uh just Ole miss penned them deep but um missouri was starting out on their own like one yard line and they oh, used yeah. some penalties basically to get out from the shadow of their own goal post because i wasn't sure what they were going to do exactly but then a couple Ole miss penalties and they're moving down the field and they eventually get into field goal range and like you said, McCann can't hit an extra point, but he hits a nails a 39-yarder to make it 21-7, which I'm sure he was had mixed feelings about because now that basically basically takes him out of the the right. score. Looks when like he's just, just made three extra points now. Exactly. Yeah, that was definitely the weirdest path to 21 I think I've ever seen in my life. Kyle, what do you think Ole Miss did on their next offensive possession? Spoiler um, alert: They punted again. That's what I, I was going to say. It was like eight punts in a row at this point. <laughs> but uh, this was the drive where Dawson Downing just decided to end it with a 54-yard touchdown run. Uh, he was reaching the ball over the goal line as he was tackled. 
I definitely didn't think he was going to get in, and then he definitely did. I definitely didn't think he was going to get in, and I definitely did not think that we were going to be seeing this much Dawson Downing this year. Definitely. Um, I'm not really sure if this is just him playing really well and earning that, that third-string spot, or if I'm not really sure what happened to Simi Bakari because he looked really great in limited time last year. Heard a lot of great things about him. We saw him in the SEMO game. Yeah. Maybe he, at the end. No, I, at the end of the Troy game. Yeah, he had a couple runs or something, but... Uh, I think I can see now why Dawson Downing deserves that third string spot. I mean, he's always looked good whenever he's come in at the end of games and stuff, always runs hard and it's hard to bring down. But uh, this here he's going up against the opponent's number one defense. Right. And this is definitely the play of his career in in a game that was not over yet and really helped Missouri get there. Yeah. Pushed it out to a 28-7 lead. And the third quarter was kind of all Mizzou. They outscored Ole Miss in the third quarter alone, 23-7. Um, so it didn't stop quite yet, uh, but Ole Miss was able to finally answer with a touchdown of their own uh, late in the third to make it 28-14. Uh, Missouri answered right back with probably their best just all-around drive of the game. Uh, two other touchdowns came on big runs, so I wouldn't really call it much of a, a sustained drive. But on this one, Kelly Bryant was finding Albert O. He found uh, Dominic Jacinto for a big gain. And then Larry Roundtree punched him from the one-yard line. And this time, it's easily their best drive because the extra point was made to make it 35-14. And basically felt like the game was over at that point. Uh, Ole Miss didn't quite see it that way. At least their uh, quarterbacks didn't. But uh, at this point, it was kind of like a sigh of relief. Like, well, okay. Like, Missouri's going to handle business here on homecoming. Yeah. I kind of started like losing track of which quarterback was in the game for Ole Miss. It seemed like they were going Definitely. back and forth a lot, and from when where we were sitting, it seemed they kind of looked similar. Yeah. So and at, even at times, it looked like their play styles were kind of the same. Uh, but it definitely felt like one quarterback was better than the other in this game. Yeah, I mean, John Rice Plumley ran for 143 yards and two touchdowns, and also passed for 100 yards and two touchdowns. So. And Matt Corral, or Corral, was their other quarterback. He was number two that they brought in. Supposed to be more of their passing quarterback. He was 10 of 16 passing. His his QBR was 61.9 compared to JRP's 60.9. So they were pretty much indistinguishable from a passing standpoint, Yeah. which I think credit Mizzou's defense for that. But, yeah, Plumlee was getting the job done, I think, yeah, I'm uh, not really sure why they brought in the other quarterback. But um, just quickly, I guess we still have a little bit to talk about, I guess, with the rest of this game. But I just want to give a little shout out to our coordinators. I feel like we really haven't talked a lot about Derek Dooley and Ryan Walters this year. And I guess that probably, it's probably a good thing. Right. That's what happens when teams are just doing because what they're normally supposed to. when we're talking about them, we're criticizing them. Um, but man, I just Derek Dooley has done an incredible job with the offense. Um, obviously having Kelly Bryant is nice and having Alberto is nice, but it just feels like there have been very few times this year where I've been like, what was that play call? You know, it just seems like the, the plays that were running makes sense or, or, you know, spreading the ball around to multiple receivers. And obviously that's not, I guess, a Derek Dooley thing, but guys are, are running good routes and, um, good plays are being called. I feel like and yeah. practical plays and good in certain situations that, that just makes sense. Yeah. I do feel like it's easier to say that when the team is winning, five games in a row Mm -hmm. and there's not like and they none of them have really been that close yeah so we'll see 
you know, the play calling will come under much more scrutiny when games are really close. And we've talked about this year how Missouri's offense has stalled sometimes in the red zone. And we've kind of just overlooked it because they've been just rolling over teams anyway. So when it is a close game, fourth quarter, and we need a a drive for a score Mm -hmm. and they stall out in the red zone, I think maybe we'll be a little bit more critical of the play calling in those situations. That's true. But hopefully some of the same stuff just keeps carrying over. Yeah. It just seems like a good balance of, of run and pass and it seems like we do the right thing in the, in the right situation so far. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. And when we start playing better opponents. Yeah. Uh, so like we said, Ole Miss was switching quarterbacks left and right. Um, even on one drive, they would have two different quarterbacks, yeah. which was very odd. You don't usually see that. Usually one quarterback gets a drive and then the next one will, will come out for the next one. But, uh, they came right back out with a touchdown drive, and both of the quarterbacks ran. And uh, JRP eventually took it in from the nine-yard line to make it 35-21 Mizzou. And then Kelly Bryant threw an interception, and i got to be honest with you, I have no memory of Kelly Bryant throwing an interception, but the box score has it as an interception. Can you remind me when and where that happened? Yeah. Um, it was a fairly... I wasn't even drinking. I was drinking hot chocolate. <laughs> it was a fairly deep pass. Um, but I don't remember who it was to, but it was, I, he definitely forced it in there. I don't remember it at all, but it didn't really matter because Ole Miss went for it on fourth down again and was stopped again. And then Tucker McCann added another field goal to make it a three score game. It was 38 to 21, which was my exact score prediction from the podcast before I was really excited. No more scoring. However, uh, Ole Miss did score one more touchdown. And to be honest, it didn't really matter too much. Like when, when Mizzou went up with that field goal to make it a three-score game, it was like, okay, this is this is over, basically. Yeah, we were kind of coasting that last yeah. quarter. And then Mizzou proved it because they just – there were six minutes, almost six minutes left on the game clock, and they got the ball back after that Ole Miss touchdown, and they just ran the clock out. Yep. And that's, that's really what you, you want to see in those situations. So final score was 38-27. And Mizzou moves to five and one on the season, two and zero oh in conference, and they are alone at the top of the SEC East. So when we were at the basketball practice, we were watching some of the Georgia South Carolina game on our phones. Uh, sorry to the basketball players, we weren't paying attention for a little while when these teams were just having a contest to see who could lose first. Because it looked like neither team wanted to win. Yeah, South Carolina missed like two potentially game-winning field goals, I think, or something. But that is absolutely massive that South Carolina was able to pull off this win. Just honestly, pretty shocking upset. Um, But it's huge for Missouri. It's huge for the rest of the SEC East. Yeah, Florida Um, has got to be thinking. Throws a complete wrench in the entire season. Just never saw anything like that coming. The loser of the, if everything goes according to plan, which obviously it didn't this past week with Georgia losing, but from here on out, the basically the loser of Florida, Georgia is almost eliminated from winning. They play each other, I think, in two weeks. Right. So that is an absolutely massive game. And it makes Missouri's games against both of those teams even bigger because, and now we do open up the possibility of there being a three-way tie atop the SEC East if if all of them have one loss. And I don't even want to try to think about tiebreakers right now. But if Missouri can get through Georgia and Florida 
Well, I guess there can't be, they, they can't all have one loss because yeah. I just said they play mm-hmm. each other. So if Missouri can get through those two games and only one lose and one. one of them, man, that would be huge. Yep. Yeah. A lot of, th- a lot of things can happen, but if they can, like you said, go one and one in those games, we got a real shot. And you still feel like Florida is the easier team to beat there. Oh, I mean, if absolutely. you look at, look at their efficiency ratings, if you look at just the, the numbers say Florida is overachieving so far Yeah, and pulling out wins they maybe shouldn't have. So I cannot believe Florida has been as good as they have. Yeah. The teams they've beat, they beat Auburn. I, I just, I can't believe that they beat Auburn. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's crazy. I think, I mean, that's, you're looking at another sellout there yeah. when Missouri comes back home to Massive play Florida game, regardless of what happens in the Georgia, Florida game as a humongous game when Florida comes to town in a few weeks. And both of them play pretty tough schedules. Obviously, uh, Florida just played LSU, and they hung with them for a long time, but yeah. ended up getting beat pretty easily in the second half. So and Georgia plays Auburn uh, as in addition to Florida and Missouri. So Georgia definitely does not have an easy schedule, and I think it's very possible they could lose another game in there somewhere. And I think if Missouri was six and zero, this is now we should like start a money jar for everything. Every time we reference the uh, Wyoming loss from here on out but if missouri was six and oh everybody would be talking about their chances as a dark like their dark horse status coming to fruition and this defense being you know one of the top defenses in the country the kale garrett injury would have had a lot more coverage and it's just a shame that they were so painful to think about but everything is still in front of them i mean but outside of the bowl ban or postseason ban, which if there's no decision on that by the time the SEC championship game comes around, obviously we're getting way ahead of ourselves. But just to clear that up, if there's no decision made, the appeal is still ongoing. The Missouri plays in those games business as usual. Yeah. So and potentially it spills over to next year. Right. But. Which at this point would not be the worst thing in the world if they have to take that ban next year. Yeah. Still hoping for no ban at all, but yeah, I mean just. One thing I wanted to mention, though, about this Ole Miss game, uh, I almost forgot about it, is Kelly Bryant's line at the end of the game, 23 of 35 passing, 329 yards, one touchdown, one interception. That, in my opinion, being there, I don't know how it looked on TV, but being there and watching him play, he did not look as good as that line would lead you to believe, in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, he he definitely struggled at times. Um, I don't know if it was the knee still bothering him a little bit, but... Well, we saw the brace kind of yeah. annoying him to some extent early. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think he was, he was decent. Um, the interception was ugly for sure, um, but he just didn't have to be that great in this game. I mean, the, the run game was doing whatever they wanted. Am I expecting too much maybe from an accuracy standpoint on intermediate throws? I mean, I think I'm just seeing a lot of underthrown balls and just guy just missing open guys that I just really feel like shouldn't be happening and yeah. can't happen against Florida and Georgia. So Yeah, it kind of looks like he's making mistakes that should be there if he's being under duress a lot right and it looks like the o-line's giving him plenty of time so those, some of those mistakes should be should be not there right um if he's getting plenty of time so I, I i mean i can understand with you i think that some of the criticisms are are warranted of his of his intermediate a- accuracy um 
I also feel like he's probably surpassed my expectations as far as the whole season goes, but I think that he struggled at times for sure in this against Ole Miss. And yeah, I yeah. also think Ole Miss has a good secondary. Right. So I think this was this was one of the tougher secondaries he might face of, in the whole season. Yeah. Uh, I'm pulling up his season stats right now just to take a look. His completion percentage on the season is 65%, 61.8 in the two conference games. So, And, yeah, by all accounts, he's still having a great season. 1,500 passing yards, 12 touchdowns, four interceptions. So I really can't complain about too much. It just it just worries me. I'm just I'm already thinking ahead to these big games and these big spots, and I'm just seeing what could potentially let us down. And hopefully, hopefully not the case. But I I'm gonna do like a good Mizzou fan and just think about the worst possible scenario. And if anything better happens, we'll be happy. We're still I guess just to quickly add seems like we haven't gotten a ton of production out of our wide receivers. Uh, haven't seen a lot of Jalen Knox. We did see a big game from Jonathan Johnson, but um, it'll be interesting to see how Kelly Bryant's relationship, if it continues to get better with some of those wideouts, Jonathan Nance, Jalen Knox. Um, I, I want to see... It'll be interesting. I want to see more of a connection with Alberto, for sure. Yeah. All right, so moving on to our segment of college football playoff. Uh, we all have a team of teams. Uh, copyright Missouri Sports Podcast. Don't steal that name because it's so good. Uh, we all drafted teams that we thought would be in the college football playoff at the end of the year. My squad is LSU, Clemson, Wisconsin, and Notre Dame. Kyle has Alabama, Penn State, Georgia, and Texas. Two losses. Ooh. Producer Cameron has Ohio State, Oklahoma, Florida, and Auburn. We already talked about how Producer Cameron is not in the state of Missouri right now. So he has passed along information indicating that he will not be changing out any of his teams. There's not really a whole lot of improving he could do anyway. So Yeah, once you there, there's not a lot of great teams out there um that aren't included in our, our twelve teams here, but um, yeah, Georgia and Texas, I have both of those teams. They both lost. Um, in the grand scheme of things, I'm perfectly fine with those teams losing. But I'm going to switch out Texas. I'm going to pick up Oregon. And I am i don't even know if I you, – you're probably not changing anybody, so I'll just go ahead and say I'm going to just keep Georgia. I'll just stand pat, stand okay. pat there. Yeah, I'm not going to change out any of my teams. Um, it's looking pretty good right now. Yeah, you got a, you got a squad. And I honestly would not be surprised at all. If LSU is uh, when did LSU and Alabama play? But I think it'll be after the official college football playoff rankings are announced for the yeah. first time. So I kind of hope both those teams just stay unbeaten until they play. Oh and yeah, that's gonna just be an insane yeah matchup. I honestly think though LSU, I would put them as my number one team if the college football playoff were coming out tomorrow. I would not be surprised at all if they were number one. Yep, I agree with that. All right, so we've got that change in there. So far, I'm in the lead, but we'll see what happens. Uh, moving on to the depth chart, were there any changes of note leading up to this Vanderbilt game? Uh, I, I really don't think there was. Nothing comes to mind. No, I didn't really notice anything either. So Rashad we'll Floyd may, I don't know if he's on the depth chart, but he may be able to make a return this weekend. We also probably won't really need him, hopefully. So hopefully they don't push it if they don't have to. Yeah. 
Cade Muzzer looked very comfortable uh, catching punts. Yes. And I say ca- catching punts because he really doesn't need to return it. Just please catch the ball. Yes, that's all. That's all we need. <laughs> Secure the ball. All right, so time to preview Vanderbilt. And I'm going to be honest with you, Kyle. People have been talking about this as a potential trap game. People have been saying, don't overlook Vanderbilt. I I don't see how anybody can say any of that because they're so bad. Last week, they actually made us look dumb because we picked (laughs) them to beat UNLV. As we probably should have. Yeah, they were a 14-point favorite at home, and... They and UNLV was one and four, had lost to some pretty bad teams, and UNLV uh, blew them out. Yeah, it was, they, not there was close. Garbage time yeah. in that game. Yeah. Um, Vanderbilt's got to be one of the worst, if not the worst, Power Five team in the country. Yeah, I, I think Vanderbilt's really bad um, just from a talent standpoint. Um, I don't know that I believe in Derek Mason anymore. I think he's obviously, I'm kind of surprised he's still coaching there this weekend. Um, and not only are they bad, but they're completely one-dimensional. They have one outstanding player that we'll talk about in a minute, but nobody else of note. And on top of all that, I think they've given up. I think they're just done. I think they don't care. They they lost a couple games early, and they're just like, we're done. The fan base has definitely checked out. Yeah. Uh, Derek Mason was basically pleading with them to come support the guys. He, all he 200 of them. Yeah, he, he basically said, uh, don't do this for me. Like, like I, I, I acknowledge we suck. Come support these guys. These are some of their last games. These seniors, you know, he was really pleading to the fan base, show up, support these seniors. But I don't know. The fans are all checked out. Yeah, it's kind of like it's it's, it's really uh, sad to be a football fan in the state of Tennessee right now, unless you happen to live in Tennessee and you're a Mizzou fan. So I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Vanderbilt. Go ahead and tell us about Kishan Vaughn. I mean, he's yeah, he's I mean, electric. If he's, he if he's on any any other team, he's one of the best. He, known as one of the best players in the SEC because I really think he is. Yeah. just not individually, but it's just not going to matter. Um, they they're not going to do anything other than give him the ball, which they should give him the ball every time, and they still have a shot of being decent because he's that good. But it's just uh, yeah, he'll he'll get his yards one way or the other. I feel like. Um, Obviously, Missouri is known for their run defense, so I don't think he's going to have a field day with, on them by any means. Mm-hmm. But he, he can get out in the pass game too, though. So true. that'll be there. But again, I just I'm not sure it's going to matter. I have some rankings for you here. Thanks to SP Plus, they are uh, Vanderbilt's offense is 124th out of 130 as far as efficiency when passing. 124th in passing success rate, 112th in completion rate, 114th in yards per attempt, and 123rd in efficiency on passing downs. And they haven't even played that hard of a schedule. They've played Georgia, but outside of that, they their one win came against Northern Illinois, and they barely won that. Yeah. They, like we said, got smoked by UNLV, who is just an absolutely terrible football team. So yeah, their their schedule so far was uh, thirty to six loss in the opener. They opened uh, at home against Georgia, a weird opening game, but uh, the SEC does that kind of stuff. So then they lost at Purdue, lost to LSU, beat Northern Iowa, then lost at Ole Miss, thirty one to six. So 
Missouri did not have much trouble with Ole Miss, and then they lost to UNLV 34-10. to I don't know how this team scored 38 points against LSU. I mean, I guess they had a lot of opportunities because LSU scored 66 points. That's probably back when the team cared. That's, I guess that's what I'm talking about is they just I think they've just burned out at this point. Are we setting us? Are we setting ourselves up to look like idiots when Vanderbilt hangs around? God, in this? I hope not. I, re- I honestly don't think so. I mean, and Vanderbilt's defense is not good. Yeah, I think we can talk about other games on the schedule, maybe being the trap game. Maybe yeah. it's Kentucky, maybe it's Tennessee. I don't know. But Vanderbilt, I just don't see it. They're just not – they don't have the horses. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Vaughn is so fun to watch, though. I almost hope he has a little bit of a success <laughs> because it will just make the game more interesting. Yeah. And, I mean, he's a, a future NFL guy. Yeah. And I think he's young, too. I think he might only be a sophomore. It's crazy. It's a shame. It's a shame. <laughs> His it's talents are being wasted. All right, so uh, give me some kind of score prediction. Um, I think that Missouri's going to get out big um, early and just kind of coast like they've done in a couple other games earlier this year. I think uh, – who was it that they – I can't remember. But I feel like in other games this year they, they just, they've clearly been the better team. I think West Virginia might have uh, been what I'm thinking of. They, they were up like 38-0 to zero or something at halftime and right. didn't score in the second half. I think Missouri's going to do something similar to that in this game. I think they're going to – Troy, too. They went up 42-0 and didn't score in the second half. Yeah. I Not 0, 42-7. I'll predict uh, 41-17. All right. I'm going to say I'm going to say they do score a little bit in the second half. The most Missouri has scored this year is that 42 against Troy. It all came Oh no, sorry. They scored 50 against Semo. So, I'm going to say they beat that by a point. I'm going to say they score 51 and I'll agree with you thinking that Vanderbilt, you know what, man, I always feel like I give the opponent, the opposing offense too much credit, but Ole Miss was able to score a little bit. Yeah, I'll go with 17 as well. So I'm just going to add 10 points to Missouri's score. Quick note on Keyshawn Vaughn. Yeah, let's hear um, it. I was as wrong as you could possibly be. He is a redshirt senior. <laughs> okay. So he is just the old man of the group. He's been there for five years, so... Um, I will admit that I was very wrong on that. Not sure what I was thinking. Well, he's still really good. We're right about that. uh, Maybe be wrong on this. Did he start his career at Vanderbilt? I feel that I do not know. I feel like like it's maybe like two years ago where I started really realizing like, okay, this guy's amazing. Maybe it was last year, last year that I realized it. I'm going to see if he played his whole year, whole career at Vanderbilt. I think so. Well, Kyle, you're two for two. He transferred to Vanderbilt from Illinois. (laughs) (laughs) So I understand completely why you thought he was a sophomore, because he's only been there two years. I suppose. But, yeah, he was at Illinois before. Most Most people don't stay at Illinois. True. I mean, I totally understand why he left that. He didn't really improve much, but that's a different story. All right, so we got our predictions in. Let's do a few more picks to end the show. SEC pick them plus Nebraska week eight. Unfortunately, producer Cameron conveniently skipped town, so we are unable to just really give him the business when it comes to Nebraska getting just destroyed 
by Minnesota. But we both predicted that correctly. The only thing that really mixed things up, obviously, we, we neither one of us predicted South Carolina beating Georgia. But uh, you and your friend Tristan, he, I think he tried to tell you that maybe Tennessee was the play. You know, I can understand his hesitancy. He didn't want to just outright tell you, go with Tennessee. He would have sounded crazy. Yeah. Tristan, I, I apologize that I, I didn't heed your warnings. Uh, but I, I think I, I think I should have uh, picked Tennessee for sure in that one. But um, I and I wouldn't have done it. I was basically forced to because I just said that I was going to pick the opposite of you guys. So I picked Tennessee. Yeah, you didn't even like doing it, but you just you well, just did. no, that's not true. Once <laughs> I heard about their new uh, quarterback, their right, new, that right. was really going to throw the ball around, I felt a lot better about it. So yeah, they're playing Alabama this week. I don't know if I'll pick the upset here, but maybe we'll get to it. I thought about just leaving that game off the schedule completely but nebraska doesn't play this week so Hmm. they're off they're still gonna lose probably they'll lose the bye week anyway we'll start off with number nine florida a five point favorite oh this is kind of interesting we've got three in a row uh road favorites so florida at south carolina south carolina only only what only five point favorite florida yeah Vegas knows something. Vegas thinks South Carolina is good, huh? I don't know. It is at South Carolina. I'm, I'll let you pick that upset. Could you two weeks in a row? Can you imagine if South Carolina beat Georgia and Florida back in back-to-back weeks? Now you got me. Now I got to double check that spread. Insane. I mean, I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's accurate. Yeah, five points. Oh man, I think I have to pick Florida, but I don't. I don't like Florida. I I don't think – I don't know. I'm not sure that they're going to keep being as good as they've been. I surely hope they lose. I don't know. Uh, I'll pick Florida, but I don't love it. Honestly, this is like the only game I feel like where it's viable to pick an upset. But – You could cement yourself in history. I could. this upset. <laughs> I already have a seven-point lead on you. Yeah. All right, I'll 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 pick South Carolina. Let's go. I hope you're hope you're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now number eleven Auburn, a nineteen and a half point favorite at Arkansas. Yeah, I'm, gotta, I'm picking Auburn. Go Auburn. Number two LSU, eighteen and a half point favorite at Mississippi State. Mississippi State let me down last week, man. I can never <laughs> pick them again. Going to LSU. LSU is the best team in the country, so they're going to win easily. Kentucky at number 10, Georgia. Is Georgia going to be just reeling off their loss against South Carolina? Are the same mistakes going to crop back up? Or are they going to just take care of business and tell everybody, hey, we're not out of this? Uh, I think Georgia easily wins, but that 25-point spread looks large. Yes, it does. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to pick Georgia as well. Texas A&M. Here's one you might you might consider picking an upset. Texas A&M, a six and a half point favorite at Ole Miss. Yeah, I I, uh, I think Texas A&M actually played um, Alabama fairly well last week. Um, probably a little closer the game than I thought it was going to be. It's at Ole Miss. I kind of like Ole Miss's offense, man. It's kind of fun to watch. Like everybody just is fast. Yeah, they might they might be actually really scary even as soon as next year. Yeah. Um, man, I want to pick Ole Miss, but I think I'm gonna have to go A and M. I'll pick Ole Miss. Okay. 
I almost did. Yeah, when you can when you have such a lead, you can just afford to get crazy with it. <laughs> you just don't let your uh your pride come before the fall. I'll I'll do my best. Okay. Uh Tennessee at number one, Alabama. This is only on here because Nebraska didn't play. Alabama is a thirty four and a half point favorite at home. That also seems large, but I'm gonna pick Alabama. Yeah, I feel like Tennessee covers the spread there, but I don't know. They're definitely not going to win. They aren't. Alabama's only going to win by 31. <laughs> That's bold. All right, there's our picks. All right, that was a that was a meaty episode. Oh yeah, that was that was. We, we, they got us talking basketball. Yeah, we we went on for a while. All right, uh, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. We're on Twitter, at Missouri Sports Pod, and you can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com, and we're on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Missouri Sports Pod. We got to get out of here and go watch the Chiefs beat the Denver Broncos. Oh, yeah. But you can find me on Twitter at C underscore Albert 08. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week. After a while.